What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great tasting, all natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to symbionica.com. C Y M B I O. T-I-K-A.com. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says, take a look at the invisible girl. Here she is, clear as the day. I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Joe McCormick. And our other host, Lauren Vogelbaum, is not with us today. She is uh, under the weather, but we hope that she feels better soon. Yes. And she will join us again in our next session. Yes, indeed. So uh, she's missing out on a great topic, right? You know, the other option is she might be here and we don't even know about it. That is true. She could be sitting immediately to uh, my right, your left, Joe, just to peek behind the curtain there for those of you out there in podcast land. Uh, She could just be in her normal spot, but she could be undetectable to the naked eye. Right, because she has been granted a helm of darkness by the goddess Athena. Or perhaps a uh, a cloak that she's inherited from her father who went to wizarding school. Or perhaps a suit made out of some kind of bizarre nanomaterial that, uh, that renders you invisible to the naked eye. Oh, I was going to go with the one ring, but that's way more realistic. Okay, so yeah, we're going to talk invisibility. Wait, wait, wait. No, I got a better one. Okay. Predator. Okay. Predator. <laughs> there we go. That's the ultimate technological invisibility, right? Because then you become a, like late 80s, early 90s computer effect. Yeah. Which that's that's all I ask for, really. I, I don't I don't demand perfect invisibility. In fact, I want just near perfect invisibility. Right. You want little ripples where they can see the outline of your wrist spikes. Yeah. I mean, same sort of thing that you would see in some of the uh, Star Trek films. Right. Because because, yeah. you know, if, if you had perfect invisibility, it's hard to convey a sense of terror <laughs> when you just have a. You know, calm looking environment. <laughs> you folks are so lucky that we didn't just go down the path of making hollow man jokes. But anyway, it yes. should be obvious that we're talking about invisibility tech today. Yeah. 
what is the future of invisibility? We know the past, yeah. which is that everybody wanted to be invisible. It shows up in folklore. There is, as I mentioned, there are Greek myths about, you know, a helmet you can put on to become invisible. Right. Um, there are other sort of invisibility capes and magical cloaks and there, things like that. There that, are, there are entities that are capable of disappearing to, to mortal man. Yeah. You know, it, it goes way back, the desire to disappear. And that's not really all that surprising because it actually goes back further than humans. You don't even have to look to folklore. You can look to nature. Sure. Uh, because it's inherently great to become invisible because it provides you an advantage. Yes. It's pretty simple. It's easy to get the yes. drop on somebody if they don't know where you are, but you know where they are. Or it's easy to uh, evade someone getting the drop on you because you're able to hide away. Right. And the, the, the potential predator that would have gobbled you up is none the wiser and just continues on its predatory path. So, yeah, there there are certainly advantages to being able to blend in with your environment and fade into the point of invisibility. I mean, that's that's pretty clear. Now, with us humans, uh, I think a lot of it tends to be power fantasies. But <laughs> but let's set that aside. Right. Maybe at the end we can talk a little bit about the actual ethics behind invisibility <laughs> technology. Sure. But what are we talking about here? What would invisibility technology entail? Well, you won't hear the term invisibility a lot in people uh, among engineers and researchers investigating this, they tend to speak more in terms of, quote, cloaking. Yeah. Because I think that's a little more, uh, it's a little more realistic, sort of accurately conveys more of what they're trying to do. They're trying to somewhat shield your detectability, not so much make you invisible like the folklore. Well, yeah, and especially since cloaking gets around uh, the, the belief uh, that invisibility is all about the visible spectrum. I mean, yeah. invisible. You've got the word visible there. Cloaking can be uh, about making a device or or structure uh, undetectable from very specific means, as opposed to, uh, or or even more general means, as opposed to something like the visible spectrum. So, a cloaking device might be effective for something that is outside the visible spectrum, meaning that we would be able to see it with our naked eye, but using other means, we would be unable to detect it. Right, say if we sensed things by heat or something. Or microwaves yeah. or ra radio waves. So, for example, stealth technology can be considered, at least on a certain level, as cloaking technology. It's just it's Right, you can see a stealth bomber, yeah. but that's not really what they care about. They care about radar. Right, because, I mean, you're, the chances of you spotting a, a stealth fighter or a stealth bomber uh, in the air are very low because they fly very high and and they move very quickly. So... Uh, they're really worried about being detected by by uh, artificial means, by yeah. radio means. And that's where the cloaking comes in. Oh, yeah. In. I assumed radar. Maybe some other kind of means, too. I, I'm not up on all that military tech. It's really radar because it's all about beaming out a, a frequency of radio waves and waiting to hear back the echo. And if you never hear the echo, then you just assume, all right, there was nothing there. And so stealth stealth technology is all about either absorbing or redirecting those radio waves so that they don't bounce back to a receiving station and then therefore they have no idea where you could be. Yeah, okay. So let's back way up and start with the simplest idea, which is camouflage. Okay. Camouflage is basically biomimetic. I know this is always in danger of turning into the biomimetics podcast, but that really is the future. People look into nature because nature's got a lot of good stuff going on. Yeah. Um, it's like being one of those animals that can blend in with its surroundings. So in this method, the goal is to appear such that a landscape with you in it doesn't look much different from a landscape without you in it. Right. You want a predator to be able to look at you without realizing you're an object distinct from your surroundings. So how do you do that? Well, the easiest form would be passive camouflage. This is the kind of camouflage, you know, that your cousin wore to your wedding and that they sell in army surplus stores. It's the kind of camouflage most common in the animal kingdom, now, too. You can tell that, that Joe and I are both from the South, where I didn't blink <laughs> an eye at the idea of my cousin wearing camouflage to my wedding. No cousin of mine actually wore camouflage to my wedding. I was That was a legit. I didn't invite my cousin, so. Well, good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so let's think about maybe... Uh, not so much the, the gray or the green and brown army camouflage, right. but, uh, say like, uh, like a polar bear or an arctic fox. They have white fur, which comes in handy if you're trying to stalk prey on the snowy tundra or out on an ice sheet. 
So animals can passively blend in with their surroundings by color patterns or maybe by physical structure. Say, think of the、uh, phasmatodea, right? The stick bug. Oh, sure, yeah. Or a combination of both, of course. Right, yeah. You can even there are animals that have patterns、uh, on their hides that help them blend in with their surroundings. It helps break up the shape of the animal, especially like something in the savannas. Of、uh, of Africa, you know, you have these these animals that have different shapes that help them kind of blend in,、uh, and it breaks up the the outline of the animal shape itself, thus cutting down on the chance they'll be spotted by a predator.、Um, the, so there's not like a, a just a single approach to passive camouflage, but this particular type of camouflage tends to only be really effective in specific. Geographic regions, yeah, or maybe even only in specific parts of those geographic regions. Right, like it, passive camouflage might work really well on tree bark. Yes, but then if you crawl onto a leaf, it doesn't work so well、uh, because it it doesn't change. So the Arctic fox wanders onto green grass or onto an asphalt parking lot. It sort of loses its edge. Got a great、uh, example of this: Pol-、yeah. polar bear found on a tropical island. <laughs> A la lost. lost, yeah. yeah. Okay. So that not a great form of camouflage, scary, and certainly raises some questions that I think are never satisfactorily answered. answered.、Yeah. Spoiler: <laughs> are never answered. That's exactly right. But what if the fox could change the color of its coat to blend in with its surroundings? Well, well that, actually, a fox sounds, sounds more active than passive. There,、change. yeah. A fox can actually do that on a slow time scale. So when the seasons change and the snow melts. The Arctic fox's coat changes color. It gets darker during the warmer months, so it can blend in with rocks and grass and dirt and stuff like that. But it turns white again next winter. That's nice, but of course, that's not very useful minute to minute no, or second to second. That's very gradual. We're talking if we want to talk about a, an animal capable of hiding its presence as it moves from one. Environment to another, or at least the environment itself has a, a gradation of different colors. You need to take something a little more drastic than a gradual change of your co- your coat's color. Right. So now it's time to look into things like cephalopods. Okay. So now we're looking at your your critters like a like your octopus yeah, and your squid, cuttlefish, cuttlefish. Yeah. Yes. Same, yes. Things that are capable of changing the color of their Of their skin or their outer、uh, surface, in a very uh, uh, well, like in real time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The, I mean, this is truly nature's active camouflage. It's not passive. Their skin dynamically changes to respond to their surroundings. I don't mean that all species of these families of of animals do that in the right, same way, but、sure. within these、uh, groups,、you、there can, are animals、yeah. like that. So if they suddenly need to vanish against the pebbly texture of the seafloor, they can. Or if they need to blend in with a pile of rocks, they can do that too. They're pretty amazing. In fact, if you just want to have your mind blown and you've never seen this before, go to YouTube and just type in camouflage octopus、yeah. and sit there and watch it over and over again. I, yeah, you won't be able to stop. It's unbelievable. Yeah, this isn't really camouflage either, but the mimic octopus also does something really interesting. I don't know if you've ever seen this. It doesn't just blend in with its surrounding; it, it actually mimics other animals.、Mm-hmm. So it'll pretend to be a poisonous sea snake or something like that.、Um, and I think that's also really interesting. But there are technological ways to mimic the moment-to-moment dynamic camouflage of these animals. Shut the, your mouth. Yeah, there are, and the question is, how good are they? Okay, well,、uh, let's let's start by talking about what they do, and then we can critique how good they are at doing it. Okay, I think we should start with the one you're probably sitting there imagining right now. Okay, I ask you to design a system for active camouflage and give you a few hundred bucks to put it together. What do you do? Well, I mean, with a few hundred bucks, I probably scoff in your face. But what I would attempt <laughs> maybe a few thousand bucks. Okay, whatever. What I would attempt to do is I would want to set up a projector and a camera. All right, let's say let's say for argument's sake that I want to make、uh, James Bond's car disappear,、mm-hmm. and you've only given me a few hundred bucks. So I would pretty much have to coat the car with something that would make it. Act like a screen, yeah, a、uh, retro reflective material that would be preferable. 
I don't know that I could manage that with a couple hundred bucks, but we'll see what we can do. Maybe it's just a tarp, <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll try. And then I would set up a camera behind the car pointing at whatever happens to be, uh, behind it from the perspective of the person who's going to be looking at this vehicle. Mm-hmm. In front of the car, I would set up the projector. So the feed from behind the car would go directly to the projector, which would project that feed onto the car. So from the perspective of someone looking at it from behind where the projector is, it would just look like a projector that's shooting out light at nothing. Yeah. Uh, the idea being that that the the images behind the car would be uh, projected onto the car, so it would be as if the light were passing straight through. Right. And so video equipment has reached a point of sophistication where you can legitimately do this pretty well. You can get a high-resolution, real-time feed with no significant delay, run it through a computer, project it onto a reflective surface, this is pretty much doable, but there are a few problems with it. Yeah. Number one, I mean, what if I step to the side? Yeah, you just ruined everything, Joe. <laughs> I, you gave me a couple hundred bucks. What do you want? No, no, th- this is exactly the issue, right? The the illusion is broken if you are viewing it in any plane other than the one that has been set up specifically for this purpose. Yeah, so, you need to be looking directly in the way that it, the image is being projected. Right, yeah. So if I'm coming at it from the side, I'm just going to see the setup with the projector and the camera and the the car with the retroflective material draped over it in the center. And to me, there's going to be I'm just like, well, uh I can see what you're trying to do, but that's the problem is I can see it. And so in order to make this a realistic illusion from all angles, you would have to have something that's really impossible to achieve practically. You would have to have cameras from every conceivable angle uh, and and projectors from every conceivable angle and also the rest of the uh, equipment that would be used to facilitate this mm-hmm. to support it um, and all the power and all this kind of stuff. It just quickly becomes uh impractical you know even if you could possibly do it where from any given angle you wouldn't be able to see the car you'd see all this equipment everywhere yeah <laughs> and you think something's going on here i don't know what maybe they're setting up for another like a uh, matrix movie where they want to get that 360 degree panning thing going on but otherwise i'm not really sure what's what's supposed to be happening here yeah there's another problem with it which is that in addition to the fact that you have all this bulky equipment and things like that if you've ever seen this, because people have made systems like this uh, years and years ago, it was covered in an early How Stuff Works article. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, I believe, a group at the University of Tokyo that built a system like this, which I don't want to, as usual, I don't want to downplay their achievement. It was good work that they did, but sure. you can see that this is not necessarily going to be invisibility as much as it sort of helps you blend in a little more. Yeah. I mean, it could like be. You can still see somebody wearing a cloak like this. You can tell there's a person there wearing a cloak. They just have projected on their cloak what's behind them. It could be really cool for specific non-strategic uh, purposes. Yeah. Like for for a marketing thing, it could be really neat. Or if you if you actually know, like if you can control the perspective at which people are going to be viewing something, then it could be effective. So it might be effective as another additional means of camouflage for uh, a stationary uh, exhibit or a stationary, uh, you know, like a base or something. But it would, again, you'd have to be really good at, uh, at expecting where people are going to be viewing this set up from. Yeah. You know? One way maybe you could get around this is looking at instead of doing just standard two dimensional projection, if you had a way of creating dynamic holography. Yeah. So d- projecting a more three dimensional image onto a surface, maybe, maybe. Well, have you ever seen any of the 3D mapping technology where uh, it's 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 used just really for publicity stake, but it's uh, it's a technology where uh, a team will come out and project an image against a three-dimensional object that's been digitally mapped specifically for that projection. And it ends up making the object look like it itself is interactive. It's usually used against enormous buildings. Yeah. So the effect is that you can see things like the bricks in the building appear to fall down and or mm-hmm. are start to twist in place. It's really a, an interesting effect. And you could use something like that as a means to uh, project against it 
whatever is behind that object, making that object seem to disappear. But it would be a lot of effort for something that would, again, only work if you were standing in the right spot. If you were, uh, unless you had mapped every side of that object and you had a really good coverage of it, it would not be effective for someone who happened to be coming from the opposite side. Right. So um, I have, however, seen a really cool implementation of this that was not meant for cloaking, but it was meant for a costume effect. So I saw a guy who was dressed up as a zombie and he had mounted a uh, uh, like a GoPro style camera on his back, on the small of his back. And then on his stomach, he had mounted essentially a, a tablet uh, device and the feed from the oh. GoPro went to the tablet. So that way it looked like he had a gunshot, like a shotgun wound in the middle of his torso. Nice. And you could see through it because of the live feed from the camera behind him. That's pretty good. Yeah, it was really clever. I like but, that. But that was not obviously not cloaking or invisibility. It was just a, a cool costume trick. All right. Let's talk about flexible optoelectric camouflage skin. Well, that sounds promising, Joe. But what is it? <laughs> so let's go back to the cephalopods. OK. How do they do it? I mean, an octopus has to have it's not magic. It has some physical structure that allows its skin to mimic what's below it. Right. And project that image onto the skin. It doesn't need external projectors, anything like that. Right. Um, so why don't we just look at how they do it and try to mimic that? Well, have you ever tried to interrogate an octopus? Those suckers are really tight-lipped. They are actually very crafty and sneaky. They are. If you've ever heard of somebody who tried to keep an octopus as a pet, you cannot keep these things contained. No. They're so smart and nimble. They will find a way out of your house, and flag if you down, find them again, they're a running cab. a con operation yeah. somewhere downtown. It's usually it's usually three-card Monty, because they're really good at that. Right. But no. Eight card Monty. Yeah. <laughs> but no, they, we are, we are making fun of it, but they are quite, uh, quite good at problem solving. And yeah. their, and their skin is just as smart as they are, yeah. basically. Yeah. So researchers, including, uh, Kunjong Yu of the University of Houston and John Rogers of the U of Illinois published, uh, some findings in a paper in PNAS, uh, this past August. And the paper was called Adaptive Optoelectronic Camouflage Systems with Designs Inspired by Cephalopod Skins. So it is More exactly what it says. Awesome biomimetics. <laughs> I love it. So looking at how cephalopod skin works, they designed a system of thin, flexible material that can match the color patterns of its environment automatically without projectors. The sheets have essentially three layers. The top layer displays color to the observer. Okay. This is done with pixelated temperature sensitive material that changes color based on heat. Okay. The middle layer does the work of changing the top layer's color by way of electrical actuators. So it supplies some electric current that changes the temperature of the top layer and its color changes. Okay. And the bottom layer is the sensor layer. This contains photosensitive elements that react to external light signals and tell the actuators what to do. So this is the layer that's actually sensing what the color is of the surrounding environment. Right. So it's it's essentially uh, an input layer. Right. Uh, oh, doing the work layer yeah. and an output layer. That's really awesome. Yeah. And it's very thin, very flexible. It, it apparently works like a charm, except the prototype is only in black and white so far, and it's not very large. But it demonstrates that the principle works. The researchers said they could potentially upgrade it to provide more surface area and more color diversity. And I think that's really interesting. So the black and white, you don't mean that it's just going to be either a solid black uh, image or a solid no, white shades image. of gray. Right. And also, if there's a pattern, it'll pick up that pattern on the black and white. Oh, yeah, exactly. So right. That's, so so if you had a pattern of squares and circles, it's going to match that pattern of squares. Yeah, and circles. yeah. It's really, really neat. Uh, I would love to see that stuff in action. There's a video you can look up. It's out there on YouTube. Uh, you can Google the names of the researchers mm -hmm. I mentioned, and, and it'll come up on YouTube. All right. We'll, we'll definitely link to that as well on our, our website and on Twitter, because this is something I've got to see and share. Yeah. But sometimes camouflage won't cut it. Yeah. Because even advanced optical camouflage has limitations. It might require bulky equipment or probably only work in one direction. Or it, it can takes be just it might, hard to look convincing, it may, basically. It may take time for it to make that change. Like it may not be so instantaneous. If you are in motion, mm -hmm. then 
clearly, you know, even wearing camouflage, you're going to break up that that scenery that someone's looking at. And then they're going to see that something is there, even if they can't immediately recognize what that is. That's right. So with camouflage, remember, you're not disappearing. Even if your camouflage works really well, the observer is still looking at you. Yeah, they're seeing you. They're just not recognizing that you are what you are, that you're separate from the environment that you're in. What if you actually wanted to literally disappear? To to appear as if there was nothing there at all. The light just passes straight through you. So, uh, Joe, I have a feeling, especially since I'm looking at my notes and I see how it's laid out, that you want to talk about metamaterials. Metamaterials. Now, They're one of those magic things in current engineering. Yeah, I never met a material I didn't like, Joe. But um, thank you. Uh, so metamaterials are synthetic. Let's get that out of the way first. These are synthetic materials that have been made by man. You are not going to find them anywhere in nature. Yeah, it's uh, and it's the interesting thing about metamaterials is that it doesn't so much matter what they're made out of as it matters the the structure, the actual physical structure of the tiny uh, elements that make up the overall whatever material you're making. So in other words, like if I have a gold bar, it's going to have certain properties because it's gold, right? Right. It's, well, the, it's going to weigh a certain about amount. It, the reason gold yeah. looks like gold, the reason it has the color it has is the yeah. chemical properties of the molecules and atoms that make it up. Yep. And so that's the way it is with most materials we come into contact with. You know, it's it, 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 it behaves a certain way. It tastes a certain way, smells a certain way, looks a certain way because of what, uh, elements or uh, compounds make up that material. But that's not the case with metamaterials. No. No, it doesn't matter so much what the individual materials are. It's how they're put together. So we're talking about tiny structures on the nanoscale or sometimes even on the atomic scale. And we're talking about structures that are repeating over and over again. And if you want to kind of visualize this, imagine scaffolding. So if you've ever seen scaffolding up against a building, think of that, but think of it repeated in three dimensions. So it's not just the height and width of the structure you're looking at. It builds outward as well. Uh, so if you want to think about it, you could also think, uh, you know, if you've ever watched a building being constructed and it has that that just that skeletal structure first before anything else has been laid out, it's kind of like that, but on a nano scale. Yeah. So what happens when you look at something, say it is a brick or a gold bar, you're not actually seeing the thing. You're seeing light rays that are scattering off of it. Yeah. So it's just photons hitting this object, bouncing off of it and hitting your eyes. Right. Your your eyes are detecting those photons. And that's what eventually uh, ends up activating some some different uh, systems in your brain that ultimately your brain says, hey, that's a brick. Right. And so if you can manipulate what these photons do when they hit an object's surface, Mm -hmm. you can potentially manipulate the way we see something. Or if we don't see it at all. Right. So how could this, how do metamaterials come into manipulating photons? So, all right, we have to talk about electromagnetic radiation. A visible spectrum of light is part of the full electromagnetic spectrum which is much larger than just the visible spectrum of light. That's just a tiny slice. Yeah. Right. Go all the way from these big, long radio waves up to gamma waves. Yeah. So and that that's exactly it. That's the whole spectrum there. So visible spectrum is just one tiny little bit of this uh, with infrared being on one side of the of the visible spectrum outside of it and ultraviolet being on the the shorter end of it, also outside of it. Everything in between that is the visible spectrum, from the good old Roy G. Biv, with red being the longer waves and violet being the shorter waves. So uh, your metamaterials are able to interact with electromagnetic uh, radiation in different ways than what our traditional materials are. Electromagnetic radiation has two different components to it. There's an electric field and a magnetic field. Now, most stuff in nature tends to only react to the electric field stuff. Some of it does react to the magnetic field as well, but not a lot of it. Stuff like magnets? That would be one of them. Uh, so metamaterials can have the potential of acting with either one or the other or both, giving you a lot more options. And depending upon the size of those structures I was talking about, those repeated structures, you can interact with those electromagnetic waves in very interesting ways. So you you may have you may be familiar with this, Joe. You know that uh, antenna, radio antenna. Mm-hmm. Do you realize that the length of the radio antenna is very specific? It's made so that it can pick up specific frequencies of radio waves. Of course. Yeah. So 
the length of your antenna is dependent upon, in part, the length of the radio waves you're trying to to pick up. Metamaterials are kind of similar. They have to be the essentially smaller than whatever wavelength you're trying to manipulate. Now, you can create metamaterials that will allow wavelengths to pass through them as if nothing were there. And we've done this with microwaves, largely. So um, what are we talking about in sort of a, a model form here? The way I've heard it explained, and I think this makes pretty good sense, is Try to imagine that you have a rock in a stream. Mm-hmm. And so when the water comes to the rock, it doesn't splatter off the rock and go back in the opposite direction, but it flows around the rock. Right. And then it reforms just... on the other side as if there's not a rock. And before it's it, if you're further down the stream and you're just looking at the way the water is flowing, you would never be able to tell that that rock was further up the stream. Yeah. It would just seem as if there was nothing that had interrupted the water's flow in the first place. And and I think that's basically the idea behind how a metamaterial cloak might deal with light waves hitting an object. Instead of allowing the photons to scatter off the object and shoot back toward you, they would gather all those incoming light rays and guide them smoothly around the outside of the object and to pass along back out the other side. So from an observer, it would seem as if the light is just moving straight, yeah. that it never bent in the first place. And so you would clearly see things that are on the other side of the object and not be aware that there's an object there at all. And if you had constructed the metamaterials properly and arranged them properly around the object, the person could do a full 360 degree walk around of this and it would seem the same from every angle, that you would just have a clear view straight through whatever it was that was being cloaked. Right. So that's the idea in principle. Yeah. But we don't have anything like that yet. No. I mean, we, we've we seen some work with very long frequencies in the visible range. And by very long, we're talking... You mean infrared? No, I'm talking... There's been really? a little bit into the 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 red range, but... It's very specific and that it doesn't go beyond that. Uh, and also, there's not been a lot of paperwork to actually suggest that it was a success. I'm talking about there's been some experimentation oh, in, that, okay. in that arena. Now, the again, like I said, the red waves are the longest of the the um, the visible spectrum wavelengths. Uh, infrared has had more work done and microwaves are where most of the work has been done because that's where the longer wavelengths and this electromagnetic spectrum are until you get to the radio waves. Right. Well, I believe we have working metamaterial cloaks for microwaves. Yes. So imagine if you were a creature that saw in microwaves instead of saw invisible light. Right. You, we could create a pretty functional invisibility cloak for that creature. And that creature would be bumping into stuff all the time. It would be really <laughs> irritated. Uh, but so, yeah. That, yeah, they can build metamaterials that go around like a little rod or something in a lab, throw microwaves at it, and a sensor on the other side doesn't really see it. Well, they've talked about using that for uh, radio telescopes, things that would uh, end up having interference otherwise. And so that if you have it tuned to a very specific frequency and you don't want other frequencies interfering and you make it out of this stuff, those other frequencies just pass right through and then you ignore it. Yeah. Uh, so there are applications for this. But when you get down to visible range, it gets trickier because you have to build those structures smaller and smaller. And when you're talking about the wavelengths of visible light, you're talking about nanometers. Yeah. And it's, it gets increasingly hard to build something with that kind of precision on the nanoscale. Uh, with especially without running into other problems in the nanoscale. And then once you're able to build that structure, scaling it up so that you can build something that's actually usable in three right, dimensions. Just making enough of it. Right. Yeah. A nanoscale, you're talking about like a, if you're talking about a line of something on the atomic scale, you're essentially talking about one dimension. You don't mm-hmm. even have width. You just have length in that case. Scaling that up so that you're talking about a three dimensional object is not a not a not an easy challenge. I've got another problem for you. Hit me with it. Okay, so right now we can't build metamaterials that are small enough to take advantage of visible light. We also might have a problem covering enough of the spectrum to fool our eyes. Right. So right now metamaterials mostly in the past have been able to attack a very narrow frequency of light waves. Yep. So they can get a narrow frequency of microwaves and, bam, invisible to that. Yeah. But what would this look like on the visible spectrum? Let's say you could get just red light. Yeah. Well, try to imagine this. You're wearing a cloak 
that guides red light straight around your body, but it doesn't work for green light and yellow light and orange light. Right. <laughs> well, first of all, I, I mean, that, that would be very strange. First of all, think of it. The, the shadow of this thing would be red. The red light would pass right? the red. Maybe. The red light would pass through. Okay. So you would get red light <laughs> going through this object. So anything directly behind the object, assuming that you have, assuming your light source is behind you, and you are looking at the object. If you had someone hold their hand up behind the object, their hand would appear to be reddish in color because the red light would be passing through it. Everything else would be bouncing back off of it. So you wouldn't have any red hues in whatever it was you were looking at. It would be all orange and beyond. So the color of the object would look off to you because all the red color would be out of it. So think of it like if you were (laughs) – think of adjusting, say, a display and you're playing with the different levels of red, green, and blue. Yeah, yeah. Like if you've ever played with that just to kind of see like the different the different levels, then, you know, you're like, oh, my gosh, now now I look green and blue instead of like a human color. That's really interesting. I was trying to imagine what it would be like and wondered if it would be sort of like when the weatherman walks in front of the green screen with the wrong color tie. And and it kind of fades in. (laughs) Probably not like that. That seems too clean. Well, yeah, because you would you would actually be seeing through in that case. Right. You wouldn't see through this thing. You would just you would because all the other colors, unless unless you had made something that was perfectly red (laughs) so that all the color just goes straight through anyway, then you'd be, you know then I guess you could make it invisible. But if it's any other color, like if any other uh, uh, wavelengths would bounce off of it, you're going to get those wavelengths and you're going to see that something is there. That's so interesting. Anyway, there are big challenges in creating metamaterial cloaks, but that doesn't mean people aren't trying. And I have some confidence that with some of the smartest people working on this, this might actually be a doable thing. Yeah, we may not ever get the full visible spectrum, but we might get some really interesting uh, and uh, you know applications of it. Right. I'm at least very interested to see where it goes. But let's be optimists for okay, a moment sure. and just assume, yeah, we've done it. All right. We so have built a metamaterial. Yeah, a can... metamaterial cloak for the whole visible spectrum. Okay. Gotcha. What what does this entail? Okay, well, first of all, here's a mind bender. And this was a question that was posed to us by a forward thinking fan when we had the video of invisibility go up. And they said, all right, let's say that you've got this metamaterial working and you're inside the structure. Whoops. So so you've got you've got all the metamaterial surrounding you so that you are, in effect, invisible. Would you be able to see anything? Because yeah, it's bending all the light. You can be invisible, but you must be blind. Yeah, because if it's if it's bending all the light that comes at you so that it continues through and goes out the other side, thus giving the the perspective of someone who's looking at you as if there's nothing there, wouldn't that also mean that all the light that normally would be going to your eyeballs is being bent around you so you are in perfect darkness? I'm not talking that it's dark. I'm saying there's no light. <laughs> No light at all, unless you have a light inside, like you've turned a light on inside, which I don't know how that would look to anybody outside. I, I tried to imagine, okay, so what if you just cut out a little peephole to look through? I mean, <laughs> so, then you'd be a pair of floating eyes. Yeah, maybe you could manufacture it in such a way where some of the light that was coming in was being bent into the center so that you could see. But if that's the case, where does the light go? Right. So let's say that you are in a uh, let, let's just say a, a parking lot. You are in the middle of a parking lot on a nice Always, Georgia summer. For some day. reason, in the middle of a parking well, lot, you don't know how you got there. It's just a just that standing way, there, confused. It's flat, and you can see a lot of different wet stuff. For some reason, you. well, if it's in Georgia, there's not for some reason. It's because it's hot and humid. <laughs> but no, the 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 parking lot example is just so that you can have a nice clear field of view okay, around okay. you. All right, but if you're in a parking lot. And you've got this on you and you this this structure of metamaterials around you and it's bending light around and it's bending some light into the center. Presumably, you don't want that light to be able to escape again, because then if it could, it's going to reflect some of what you are to somebody looking outside. It might Mm. not look like a person, but you might think that's really weird. So you would you would want that light to stay inside. But if the light is staying inside and it's just getting absorbed over and over and over again, nothing is eventually nothing is allowed to reflect out. It's just essentially becoming a a cooker. <laughs> that light is just coming in and it has to be absorbed. It can't be reflected. You're absorbing more and more light energy. You would cook in there. Nice. Now, 
maybe there's a way around that. Maybe I don't, but I don't know. And this is, by the way, is completely based upon me thinking about the question. Right. There could be experts out there shaking their heads saying he's got it all wrong. And that's very, very likely. But this is just me kind of puzzling it out in my mind. You know, questions like this get me thinking that, okay, I start to wonder that even if you had a pretty good cloak that worked along these lines, I don't know if it would actually translate as invisibility. It might translate instead as something that doesn't look like a person standing there, but does look very odd. It might be, uh, you know, oh, H.P. Lovecraft's dreams have come true once more. And now the uh, the the unspeakable things that that lurked in his imagination have come alive and are walking around. Yeah, or what What I'm just imagining is that you've got a person with a cloak on standing in the corner, and instead what you see is this strange, shadowy mass Yeah, that's kind of like uh, different shades from what's around it. It's, it's definitely uh, an interesting thought experiment, whether or not we ever have something practical to look at and just see if it works. That's another question. But Yeah, as a side note, though, I don't think that people should get the impression that this is all metamaterials are useful for. No. Metamaterials are a whole other field in material science that's fascinating and highly useful. And there's some really cool research about it going into interacting with stuff that's in waves that has nothing to do with uh, uh, electromagnetic radiation. Because it's possible that you can build metamaterials that can interact with physical waves in uh in different interesting ways, including waves in the ocean. So the U.S. Navy, for example, is looking into using metamaterials to create uh, vessels that can pass through water without leaving a wake. Hmm. So in other words, it's it's as if the water can just flow uh, flow around as if there's not something there. And that would be very useful if you didn't want, you know, a, a, a reconnaissance aircraft to notice the wake of a giant vessel that happens to have sailed through in the last you know, hour or so, then that that's useful. But it's also useful for things like a ship stability. Uh, and there's also been talk of of metamaterials for seismic waves, as in earthquakes. So you can help make uh, a building more earthquake resilient hmm. by letting seismic waves pass through it as if it's not there, which I can't even imagine. I mean, yeah, I don't I, know what that would be like. Yeah, I don't uh, know either. If you Can you imagine like walking by, looking outside the window, you see like people falling over for no apparent reason because you're you're in a building that's perfectly steady. That's hard for me to imagine. Uh, maybe but, it protects the building, but not the people inside. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but if you really are curious about metamaterials and you want to hear more, uh, Lauren and I did a tech stuff episode about it, and it was published on July 16th, 2014, and it's called Tech Stuff Gets Meta, parentheses, material, in parentheses. Everybody give that a listen. Yeah. But I want to transition away from metamaterials real quick and get okay. meta about invisibility. Let's do it. I think there is a real question to ask here, not saying we shouldn't pursue this technology, but at least in considering the implications of it, are there actually good, peaceful uses for invisibility, or should we be thinking about the development of invisibility as if it's essentially the same as developing a weapon? I think it all depends upon, again, the, the definition you're using. If you're talking about invisibility as an in invisible to the, the visible spectrum, uh, it's tricky. I could see it being very useful for something like uh, observing a natural habitat without having any kind of uh, visible presence there so that you yeah. can get as much of a natural uh, idea of what's going on as possible. So I if, thought of the same thing. Yeah. Like maybe if you want to cover up a, a nature documentary camera. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you wanted to get a real look at how wildlife interacts with its environment without detecting you, then that would be obviously some, a good, a good use for this. I think most of the cloaking technology is going to be used for things that are outside the invisible spectrum anyway. And again, that could involve things like making sure radios <clears throat> are more, uh, attuned to the frequencies they need to and are, uh, are avoiding interference, that kind of thing. I see that as being really useful, uh, potentially really useful for things like space exploration in ways that we can't necessarily anticipate. Not again, not the cloaking device of the Klingon bird, of, uh, the uh, bird of prey or the uh, or the Romulan bird of prey, which I think preceded the Klingon one, uh, but rather just, again, for communication's sake. 
But when it comes to the visible one, there are only a few very specific yeah. applications I can think of that are that either that don't come across as either a weaponized use of technology or a super creepy use of technology. Yeah. Basically, weapons or criminal uses espionage. are what I imagine. Yeah, espionage would be a big one, which you could argue is not criminal. At least it's not criminal for the nation that. You know, that that trained <laughs> exactly. this spy, but it might be criminal in whatever nation the spy is working in. But, yeah, it's it's definitely I mean, surveillance would be a big one. But again, these are these are more, you know, gray areas, if not outright unethical areas, depending upon your your own, uh, you know, kind of touchstone for that sort of thing. It definitely I feel like it kind of says something about us. that This is one of the future technologies that people get really excited about. Yet it's also one of the hardest to imagine non-illegitimate uses for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard <laughs> to imagine something that wouldn't be catering to some of the the less uh, noble human traits, right? So it's it's one of those where I think if we were to achieve it technologically, that would be astounding mm -hmm. because it would show that we have a full understanding of something that is incredibly complicated, and I think the achievement would be phenomenal. But yeah, like you said, I don't think the applications lend themselves to the more noble pursuits. Okay, one last question. Sure, hit me. You get to pick one of two superpowers. Okay. You can fly or yeah. you can be invisible. Fly. It's always been fly. It's always been fly for me. That's as a kid, I always loved the idea of being able to fly. Well, they I mean, say you're one of the good people if you pick that. Yeah, no. The, the nice people pick fly. The creepy people pick invisibility. No, I gotta also say that uh, there's a third superpower that I would pick over either of those in a heartbeat. But it's a major superpower that doesn't often come up because if you give it to your character, your character immediately becomes overpowered, which is time control. Time oh. control. Time control wins out over everything else. That's but, boring. That's just to the point of you know why. I'd say I tell you why you because know, I like do-overs. <laughs> the best superpower I've always thought this is teleportation because it can essentially mimic any other superpower. Yeah, I guess. I like mean, uh, you, you can if you can teleport to anywhere at any time, you can simulate flying. Now you can. Are you able to teleport other things besides just yourself? Yes, yes. If All right, you see, can bring a, things with you, that's a very specific power because yeah. you know the, in 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 good old comic book lore, there is the ability to teleport yourself, and then there's the ability to teleport other things, and then there's the ability to do. Well, if you couldn't teleport other things, you'd show up everywhere you went naked, and thus Terminator style, right? Yeah, but I mean, if you uh, what I'm talking about is being able to teleport something without teleporting yourself. So in other mm. words, in other words, are you able to teleport like someone's double parked and you're like, OK, well, guess what? Your your uh, Porsche is now on Saturn's moons <laughs> in pieces. So good luck with that. <laughs> I think we've sort of gone off the rails. Maybe here, a little. But, but the, the takeaway is invisibility. Very interesting. Don't know about the implications of it for practical uses, yeah. but uh, I I still like the technological angle. It's really cool yeah. science. Yeah. And again, we, we learn e even if we never get to a point where we have an invisibility cloak. And, and frankly, there are a lot of people who, who feel that that is the most likely scenario. Again, like we always say, we learn so much along the way. We learn everything from more about how electromagnetic radiation works to engineering to uh, manufacturing processes, lots of stuff that can benefit us in ways beyond we we're, we were able to make an invisibility cloak. So I'm full in favor of the pursuit, um, and mostly because I don't think we're ever going to achieve it. So I don't have to worry about someone, you know, spooking me. So uh, <laughs> I I think this was a fun conversation. Um, it makes me want to talk about superheroes. So it's too bad that that's not really the the um. The, the the subject that we cover here on Forward Thinking. Though we got a listener request for an episode about uh, about technology that mimics the various powers of the X-Men, and I think we should do an episode on that. Oh, challenge accepted. We will do an episode. Do not make that the episode that you and Lauren record no, while no, I'm on No, no, we won't do it without you. <laughs> I will be so dis disappointed if I come back and find out you've done that. All we'll right, wait. well... If you guys out there have any suggestions for us, maybe you've got a suggestion like that one. There's something about the future you've wondered about. Maybe is there a technology that can give us this thing that we've heard about in literature? Or maybe it's just, you know, I'm curious what the future of, I don't know, Mexican food is going to be. I'm saying that because I'm hungry. Maybe you're saying it because you really want to know. Ask us. We will look into it and we will cover it on the podcast. 
so if you want to get in touch with us, you can drop us a line on Twitter, Facebook, or Google+. On Twitter and Google+, you can find us with FW Thinking. Just type in FW Thinking in the search bar over at Facebook. We'll pop right up. Leave us a message there. We look forward to hearing from you, and you'll hear from us again really soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, I <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.